Warning. The following broadcast is not approved by your teacher, university, politician, or government. Side effects may include skepticism, better reasoning skills, liberty, peace, and an escape from the woke. Welcome to the show. I am your host, L.B. Muniz, and this is the Been Awake Podcast for Better Sense Making. If you are within the sound of my voice and you haven't visited beenawake.com, can I ask you to subscribe with your email today? I actually don't know what episode of the show this is going to be. I think we're at like 67, 60. We're, we're, we're getting up there is the point, which is which is lovely. I, I, I'm very thankful for everybody who subscribed this week. Let's get some show notes off the top really quick. Let's just get a couple of things out of the way. And I see I got one person in the Twitter space. So if you want to ask a question, feel free to request. I'm going to do one quick thing, and then we're going to go right into uh, an Ask Me Anything Q&A, whatever. Whatever ends up happening over the next, I don't know, 40 minutes to an hour. Oh, and that person disappeared. That's what That's what's fun about live radio, by the way. I know some of my listeners don't, uh, well, I know some of my listeners aren't the biggest fan of when I have people on, ironically enough, but um, I like the interaction, and it helps, and it makes for live radio. So the first thing we're going to do today is we're just going to have some fun at an editor of Reason Magazine's expense. We're going to have some fun, like I said, at the expense of an editor at Reason Magazine. Now, if you don't know Reason Magazine, Reason Magazine for a long time has been regarded as the preeminent libertarian magazine, right? They have been around the longest. They own Reason.com, which is kind of crazy if you think about where we are today uh, as far as like domain names go, for example. So, you know, so they, they've been around for a while. They're based out of New York. And over the, but over the last few years, there has been as we've all been dealing with the, well, what I think is really the first political realignment, but that's not the topic of today's conversation, right? A lot of people will point out the fact that there are political alliances realigning at the moment. I think this is actually one of the first ones that have ever, that has ever existed. And I can, I'll, I'll get into that maybe another time, but I wanted to start off with the story as I let people go in, by the way, if you're in the Twitter spaces request to speak, if you have a question, if you just want to listen, that's fine too. Um, but I wanted to start with this because this is something that happened on Twitter today, you know, and there's something to be said for the fact that it's very easy fodder. And that's, again, a point that I always like to make about Twitter, right? Twitter makes for easy fodder because we have to economize our words so much so we necessarily leave out context. That's why I treat it like WWE. That's why I'll just beef with people and, like, you know, try to put something out there that's entertaining because Twitter is only in-group in in group signaling that the out-group sees. Um, so that's, so that, that's always where I want to start with these things. And I'm uh, just double checking that I am recording. So the second piece that, so, th so this is a tweet. So, so this all started with Thomas Massey, representative Thomas Massey out of Kentucky. Of course, he tweeted out a Christmas picture from him and his family. And that Christmas picture said, Merry Christmas, PS Santa, bring ammo. Uh, the reason why, of course, it says bring ammo is because everybody in his family are holding a rifle of some sort. Now, this is a very cheesy picture. I think we can all agree that this is kind of a very cheesy 
picture that's a little on the nerdy side that's you know kind of silly i'm sure by the way that 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 mrs massey made sure that the family took a picture that didn't include the firearms so that they would have like the nice one to send out to people but if you've ever done family pictures you know you'll usually get to the point in that where it's like all right now we're going to do the silly one right when you're when you're sitting around doing pictures as a kid that'll be the same thing right it's like okay this one you get to be silly the rest of these you have to be nice for this is very clearly a silly, cheesy, kind of nerdy picture, all very much on brand for Thomas Massey, who I've had the pleasure of meeting, I think, once. He's a very nice guy. Uh, not that we spent that much time talking to him. I just shook his hand. Uh, so I don't want to make myself sound like I'm more important than I am. But he's a very nice guy by all accounts. Most people who know him say the same thing. And he's also one of, and, and you know, working against him, frankly, is the fact that he's such an honest member of the House of Representatives. So he puts out this picture. It's very much in line with, you know, gun culture and and just people in America not being ashamed of the fact that they own firearms. I think that's I think that's the place we want to start with this. And some guy who is apparently an editor at Reason magazine, his name is Billy Binion, B-I-N-I-O-N. I think I've read some stuff by him that I didn't hate, uh, but this particular tweet caught my attention as it caught a lot of people's attention. And this is what he had to say. He quote tweeted. Of course, he quote tweeted Thomas Massey's picture, and he said, I say this as a libertarian. When people are confused and ask why I don't like gun culture, why Billy doesn't like gun culture, I should just show them this photo. They're not handbags, they meaning guns. Guns are not handbags. They're machines used to kill people. Necessary in certain situations, comma, yes, comma, but I'm tired of folks acting like this stuff is cutesy. But of course it is. It's, it's kind of silly. None of the weapons are loaded. Everybody clearly has their finger off the trigger. Nobody is menacing with the rifles either. So by all accounts, it is cutesy. It's just not cutesy for Billy Binion because he doesn't like gun culture. Okay, we just started this episode by talking about what Twitter is. Twitter is constant in-group signaling that the out-group sees. Thomas Massey is a libertarian. Billy Binion is a libertarian. So what in-group signaling are we actually witnessing here? Is Billy Binion trying to, at, trying to signal to the in-group of libertarians? Clearly not, because libertarians like guns. Even if you're a libertarian who doesn't want to own a gun, you understand that people get to own guns, and you understand that that's something, that, that's, something that's good for society. This is, this is basic libertarianism, frankly. There's nothing wrong with, ha with sending a picture out with, with your kids and, and everybody holding a rifle just for funsies. What is that sound? Oh, that is this thing. There's nothing wrong with Thomas Massey putting this picture out for himself. Um, there's nothing There's nothing wrong with Billy Binion commenting, except it's just such an awful comment. So who is he signaling to? Well, he's not signaling to the group of libertarians that he is supposedly writing for at Reason Magazine. He is, of course, signaling to the progressive elites that he probably spends most of his time going uh spending time with and of course lest i be accused of overstating my case but progressive elite is uh is is was just what came to me in the moment if we wanted to be pre precise we might include just like coastal writers in general people that work at these major press outlets because of course his bylines include some pretty well-known places like the huffington post so this guy is more interested in writing for the huffington post i would say arguably by this piece than he is about writing for libertarians to my point I'll just quickly read what I what I quote tweeted because I tried to copy his form here and we'll just go and then we'll kind of take it from there. 
So I say this is a libertarian. This is me quote tweeting his dumb quote tweet. When people are confused and asked why we don't care about outlets like Reason in 2021, I should just show them this tweet. You're not clever, Billy. You're barely insightful. And if you cared a damn for liberty, you wouldn't bitch about a family posing with guns. Now, let me make my case a little bit stronger here, and then we're going to move on. One, one glaringly obvious thing that he... So, so one of the reasons why Billy Binion says the, thing, the things that he says, or at least his stated thing, right? What he's actually doing is in-group signaling to something beyond libertarianism and, and not, not interested in, in signaling towards libertarians that he is one of them with this tweet. That doesn't mean that he's not with libertarians on other issues, by the way. This is, we're, we're taking this specific tweet uh, in a specific context, right? He says, I should just show them the photo. He says, guns are not handbags. That's his issue with gun culture is the way that gun people who support the Second Amendment, people who like owning firearms either for sport, for pleasure, or for self-defense. He's saying in this very clearly that they are not like handbags, which is to say, I think, if I was going to infer his meaning from this, he is saying that they are not an accessory. They are not an item of fashion, which is, of course, a completely ahistorical claim. I don't really have to do any work here to prove this. All you need to do is Google like gunsmithing, Google uh, throughout the ages, Google the swords that were held by kings throughout throughout time. Your your weapon, your sidearm, your firearm, a sword, whatever weapon it was, was absolutely an accessory piece and was absolutely a part of fashion going back as far as you look in in human in human times, throughout all of humanity. This is a very, the sword and the stone. This is a very common thing we see play out over and over again. So, of course, the entire claim on which this, on which this guy rested his case on is completely faulty. There's nothing wrong with treating firearms as an accessory piece. There's nothing wrong with treating them as a fashion piece, provided that you treat them safely. And, of course, anybody who is a concerned, uh, who's a concerned supporter of firearm proliferation in the United States, as I am, understands the importance of gun safety. And, of course, to reiterate, in this picture, which is clearly a joke, clearly a laugh from Representative Thomas Massey, meant to trigger dummies like Binion, who clearly aren't interested in living in a place like Kentucky and would much rather stay in a place like New York City, which is dying. Because he's interested in that, well, you know, we can... <laughs> because he's interested... Because, because he's not interested in this kind of thing, we can kind of understand that he's not maybe interested in a libertarian culture in, in a broader sense. Now... I don't know much about the guy's work. I don't want to speak too far out of turn on this. I just wanted to get that out of the way. Nice little showstopper. Um, we got one person in the Twitter space. Are you, sir, interested in asking a question? If you are, just go ahead and invite to speak. And I'll, I'll, kind, of, I'll kind of amp vamp for a second if you were. Because I'd like this to be a back and forth. I'm, um, I am refraining from doing a full episode against... Uh, are, are detailing all of the post-libertarian moment to find. I'm releasing it in chunks on Mondays over the next few weeks at binawake.com. Of course, you can read the whole PDF by going to postlibertarianmoment.com and clicking download at the bottom. I think it says get my book, get my copy or something is what the button actually reads. So that's what I am. Uh, so so I'm not, I don't really want to do like a whole long spiel on all the different points that I bring up. I'm going to kind of do it piecemeal and I'd like to do it within the context of a conversation that people were having but if uh what's your name thumbs archist <laughs> uh my guy if you wanted to speak once again go ahead and invite i'm gonna invite you to speak don't worry about it if you don't want to if you don't have a question uh, if not i have a couple other stories here that we can kind of power through 
and we can talk about. And one of them actually relates to why everybody is and so and you know this whole this whole binion story isn't even quite it's not quite as simple as saying that this guy just found the um this guy just found the picture of Thomas Massey and reacted to it. You can't even give him that much to say like, ah, whatever. This guy is just, obviously this dude is just, he's on Twitter. He saw something he didn't like. Come on. We can't just dismiss him out of hand. No, he's not given that because he is a savvy media editor. That is literally his job. I do this as a hobby right now. I'd love to do this full time, but I do this as a, I do this kind of as a hobby, as a passion, as a labor of love. And you can pay me if you go to binawake.com slash subscribe. Or if you want to cash app at uh, cash app dollar sign been awake, um, but he's sitting there, and it, it's uh, sorry. This is the point I'm trying to make. This has been a story in multiple news outlets. I've seen the Hill covered it. I actually used the headline for CNN's coverage of this in an article that I wrote this week. So it's it's not as easy as saying like, oh well, this guy Binion just discovered this story kind of uh, kind of in the wild of Twitter and was reacting to it because this is a concerted media narrative that's actually going out across multiple platforms. Um, so yeah, so that's, so that's, that's that story. So it's not, so you can't even, you can't even give the guy like some basic defense here. If that was, if that was where you were so inclined to go, which, which I clearly am not given, um, given my standpoint. And it's just frustrating the way, it's frustrating what counts for a reason editor in this respect and just how clearly these people are disconnected from everything that's going on inside the rest of the country as it relates to libertarianism and the libertarian movement. You know, that's that's one of the reasons why I wrote the post-libertarian moment defined was because I'm concerned about libertarianism and the libertarian movement. But I do have somebody in here who might have a question. You have accepted my invitation to speak, and it looks like it is the Ohio Mises Caucus. What's going on? Hey, sorry. My name is Drake. I don't actually have a Twitter. I am one of the Ohio Mises Caucus organizers, but I'm not going to speak with the mantle of the full Ohio Mises Caucus. This is just literally the only Twitter I have access to. <laughs> Thank you for um, making that <laughs> clarification, sir. Um, did, yeah, did you, have yeah a, well, did you have a question about either my appearances or anything like that? Sure. I'm a little bit... I'm curious why you've thrown in so much with the anti-tax when... It doesn't seem to be a very vetted idea, and I am kind of on a one-man crusade to vet the idea, and so far it has come up, at least in my estimation, severely wanting. Um, so I, so just to the specifics, right, so you're talking the anti-tax, which is something that Andrew, also known as Popular Liberty, has brought up uh, as one yep. of his things, that uh, as his idea his big policy prescription for how you can take over local governments. Um, I, so I didn't, I don't know if you listened to the interviews I did, or if you read the piece I wrote at postlibertarianmoment.com. it actually doesn't deal with the anti-tax. Um, in general, I think what I, what I would say is though, cause I'm, I'm familiar with it. I'm not, I'm not just going to dodge your yeah. question here. Um, I'm familiar enough with the anti-tax to say, I think it's worth trying in certain localities. And I think it can actually, I, I, I don't see why it can't work given that, if we just look at like a sovereign wealth fund or even just the endowments that are available at universities like Harvard, that this can't be, that this, that this isn't a, or, or actually, frankly, a third data point, sorry, most recently uh, Mayor Suarez in Miami talking about, you know, like a Bitcoin payout for the residents of Miami because he's trying to make Miami a crypto city. I think these data points are enough to at least pursue, um, uh, pursue the implementation of the anti-tax. 
Uh, and, and then, but if sure. there's a specific claim, I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to play with it for a little bit here. So when you've talked in the interview, you've been kind of careful to say you've said a few times you are interested in seeing the challenge to his ideas. But in your piece at the end, your call to action in your post libertarian moment uh, ebook, you specifically say like go about implementing the anti tax everywhere. Uh, I think at the end of it, it says something about, you know, the mark of today is, uh, what's, what's my line? <laughs> sometimes I can't remember my own script sometimes, um, that the, the, the issue we deal with today is not access to information, but the interpretation of it. And I have something about there about become the free. I did have an initial draft that had, that sent people to Mises GOP, but all the links direct to my, um, my, my, my piece okay. now. Again, so I guess I'm. I guess I'm not. So, do you just think that that won't work, or is it your oh, contention oh. that I'm that I'm making something wrong, or, or if you could restate your question? Sure. I guess um, specifically, my content. I I might be incorrect. I believe I had read your piece. I do remember seeing a call for people to go to the anti-tax. The reason that I think it doesn't work is that one, it is illegal on the state level in every state that i've checked or at least so highly regulated it wouldn't be possible like as in how local uh government's finances are regulated you would literally you would have to first go about changing a bunch of state laws before you could actually implement the anti-tax and then even if you didn't implement it andrew's math is incorrect and it would take something like 100 years to have a five percent reduction in taxes um, and on top of that, I disagree with his incentives and his entire archotropism framework. And I also have a piece about that. If you're interested, go to Mises, uh, let's see, Mises, oh, I want to say it, MisesCaucusOhio.substack.com. And there are pieces there on the anti-tax and archotropism, like my plug. Yeah, I feel, and people are more than welcome to check that out. Um, so I am uh, kind of an ideas guy, if you can't tell. So I'm not and I and I'm not prepared to defend mathematically the the claims. I've seen I believe Andrew has responded to your post. This sounds like, you know, this sounds like something more for him. Um I I would I did talk about in the piece about how this isn't a monolithic movement. So like to the extent that I'm that I've thrown in with Andrew is because I have been convinced by the archotropism framework. I don't think there's anything wrong at, it just just as a theoretical sense to understand that the concept of power operates as a um i'm gonna i'm just gonna mute you you're more than welcome to come back in there's just some rain and i'm recording this um oh, yep sorry so i don't uh i, I like so on the in, in the outset like i think the archotropism framework the idea that we can analyze power having and, and having power operates somewhat similarly to thermodynamics makes a lot of sense um just just as a framework that we can use and more specifically, if you get into the, what I was writing at postlibertarianmoment.com, I just don't, I don't see all the work that some like people like the Mises Caucus are doing as within the LP as being fruitful work. And I think it's going to, I think it's going to disenfranchise people eventually. And this has nothing to do with the people who are in the LPMC because I'm, I'm fans of a lot of them. And I, if you go back on my Twitter in January and you go listen to my podcasts back then, this was something that I was I was interested in and committed to doing, and it was basically my direct empirical experience 
plus getting connected with somebody like Andrew and, and hearing him out because I initially you can again you can go back and you can look at stuff where I wrote I wrote things against what he was saying or at least asking him to question asking him to um asking him to qualify what he was saying to kind of to tr- to try and draw out the ideas so I started as somebody who was uh like cautiously opposed to not re- not super interested in um yeah, I wasn't necessarily interested in the ideas, but I decided to hear them out. And I and I think in general, it it creates a good. I, I don't know. I think I think I think it makes a lot of sense. I don't think that I. I guess maybe if you want to bring up a specific point about the archotropism and that it doesn't operate like thermodynamics. Again, these aren't my ideas, so I I might not be the best person in defending them. Um, but I'm but I'm happy to have the conversation. Yeah. So I that is would be my contention is that um, I think that if you're how say this, I think that the post-libertarian movement or moment has been valuable. I think that the questions they're asking are legitimate. I feel that I am satisfied with the answers that I have and kind of the path I'm on, obviously in the Mises caucus, and then kind of also building personal wealth and freedom, which is different conversation. But I think that uh but and I also think that like archotropism as an idea makes sense. You should understand why people create and build governments because if you don't understand that, then you can't do anything about it. Like understanding is one of the first things you know, like solving problems. Mm-hmm. I just entirely disagree with his rules and laws and the, his like meta um, rules outside of those rules. Like his framing of less versus left versus right is. Uh, it it falls apart very quickly. Or even his laws, like the most obvious one that's wrong is he says, you know, power equals force divided by distance. And if I was an engineer and I'm a, a coder, so I've done stuff with uh, entropy calculations, and the first thing you have to do is define your units. And if you have a gun, someone five miles away is pretty safe from you. So it's like, okay, so you so for, so that distance is a really important fact to divide by. If you have a jet plane, then being five like five miles away doesn't matter at all. Um, or if you have a nuke, if someone's five miles away, they're too close, so you have no power power of them. It's like if he was talking about these rules as kind of, oh, this is a general thing that happens most of the time, but not always, I'd have a bit more sympathy. But if you are talking about an absolute rule, which he is, if you can find a single example that contradicts the rule, the rule is false, um, well, and they're all full of holes. So, I mean, it, but at least in the examples you gave, the only one would be the nuclear weapon, right? Um, or maybe another example would be like ransomware. Well, it's, cause it's not just that... If you had an equation that says power equals force divided by distance, it wouldn't just be oh, the jet plane and the handgun are the same because power decreases as you get farther away, it would be power decreases by the same percentage over the same distance. Like, a handgun is really effective within, like, I don't know, I'm don't not a gun person, let's say, 100 feet, and then, like, drops off pretty quickly afterwards, a fighter plane is still effective for hundreds of miles sure or if but you it, had some like ransomware it's like not affected by distance essentially at all ransomware is an interesting thing i'd wonder how i'd wonder how he would take that apart what i would say though is 
were what I would say though, just as like is is this idea of being an abstract mathematical calculation is not. I I think you. I I would caution against getting lost in the specifics of it for this reason. Um, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna completely shift here because I because again you know I'm gonna shift to something that I was just working on, uh, where I was I'm trying to map out generational dissonance. And by that, I mean how different generations perceive the same idea in different ways and why that occurs. Generational differences are something that I talk that I talk about a lot on my show, which I would encourage you to listen to, because I kind of approach these things from a different vector than a lot of the other guys that you're hearing in this space. I think that's one of the reasons why I was able to write such a good article talking about this as a moment, not a movement. And I think that's important that we remember at the end of the day, with few exception, we're all still libertarians here. Um, and, and, and I know I won't speak for Andrew, but I'll speak for myself in that, <clears throat> in that manner. Uh, so when I was, uh, so I basically thought, can, we'll, we'll see if we can walk through this, me, me talking through it and not just showing the picture, but basically I conceived of, um, I conceived of time linearly, right. Where you might look at 1900 to 2020, <clears throat> on that map and then you know you kind of map out the generations inside of that with the boomers uh, at gen x millennials z uh as the, as the case may be greatest generation before them or whoever else becomes and we can cons- and again we can conceive of ideas as as being existing apart from this lining of history right ideas kind of exist by themselves it's a little plat- i'm borrowing a little bit from the platonists at this mo- at the moment but it serves it serves the metaphor and then if we draw a line from that realm of ideas, we might say, or just from an idea to it, to a point in time, from an idea to a point in time, we could, hypothetically speaking, measure each of those lines. For the purposes of my conversation, um, or, or for the conversation that I'm trying to illuminate in the schema of, of uh, generational dissonance, the specific measurements of that line are not important the point is each of those lines is an answer, right? An answer from the idea to that moment in history. And that answer then, technically speaking, is different each time it actually hits. Uh, it goes from an idea to, to a point in history. So in that way, what I'm, what I'm trying to draw out here is just to say that in that way, I am measuring, I, I, I can say these lines are different without having to say, well, this one is 133 millimeters, this one is 560 millimeters, and then this one is and, and this one is 220 meters. In fact, if you were to try and measure those things as the case, like it, if you were to actually try to measure those things, it wouldn't help you understand the schema at all. And in fact, I would say, again, I know I'm shifting to something that I'm doing and not necessarily what you brought up, but I'm trying to illuminate the point of, you're not actually engaging with the idea the way I think it, it should be engaged. So I, again, you know, if you want to, if you want to dismantle archotropism, you can be my guest. I am, I still have, you know, I reserve final judgment on all things. Um, and I always reserve the right to be wrong about something as well. But, but was that at least helpful a little bit as far as where maybe I, you and I might be approaching things differently where I am not necessarily going sure. to look into the, not, not that I'm not going to look into it, but I think you might be missing just saying that, oh, well, you know, because, uh, you know, a nuke is better far away and, you know, and it's closer and, and, a, and a, a nuke is better far away and a, and a knife is better closer. That disproves that disproves this. Um, well, could you repeat the equation again for me? Um, power, uh, power equals force divided by distance. OK, so power equals force divided by distance. 
I think to the specifics of it, interesting enough, power equals force divided by distance. Like that we're talking about power, not necessarily a successful strike also as well. So if we're going to liken it to weapons every single time, I don't know that that's, I don't, I don't think that's what somebody like Andrew is driving at. Again, you know, we can go back to the written work and see what it is, but but that's what but that's what I got, and I'm curious to hear what you thought about just the scheme of general distance because I kind of just I kind of just mapped this out earlier, and I'm and I'm a little excited about it, but or what you think about my point of kind of how we can use mathematics in an abstract sense, and we can use it in an a, in a in a praxian sense, or or better said, in an application, and like there's abstract mathematics and there's application of mathematics as well, and if you're an engineer, you understand this too, and I do some you know application engineering for uh, with my job as well, so. No, so I think how say this. I think that in the context you're talking about, that makes sense. And much in the same way that economists get confused when they rank first, second, third preferences, and all of a sudden they think there's some like specific measure of utils between them. I think, yeah, no, that makes sense. There are in situations where the actual number doesn't really matter, and just a general kind of concept behind it. Um, my complaint is that. Andrew is drawing from thermodynamics, and thermodynamics have explicit, rigid mathematical laws. This is one of his main parts, drawing from that. And if he's not drawing thermodynamics, if this is purely praxeological, then oh, sorry, there's a aimless phone by. I'm gonna mute myself for like ten seconds. Yeah, I think it's well. By what do we mean? One, what's the characteristic of something being praxeological in this instance, right? What I would perhaps say in response is it, it like so there's a difference between there's a difference between us actually solving for an equation which again i you know power power equals force divided by distance like so the power of a nuclear weapon is the fact that it can reach across the world right so i think even under that even under the framework as i'm as i'm kind of thinking about it in real time with you here even even under that framework, the nuclear the nuclear weapon is actually a which you know, hopefully this doesn't get flagged by Twitter, <laughs> but the nuclear weapon in and of itself is actually the um, is is the means by which you can assert power. Right, it is not power itself, and therefore somebody who has a nuclear weapon is capable of launching power or, or, or asserting power over a larger distance in the same way that somebody with a fighter jet can assert their power over a, lo over a longer distance as well. Does that help clarify a little bit? Because I, I think that's something like what Andrew might say. But I, but I think that that belies the original point because his argument is that power, the value of power is relative and that what you're getting out of it is control. So it is not, it is not the weapon specifically that matters. It is how you are able to command or control people with this weapon um and that if that is, and that and he takes deterrence and kind of counter threats into this framework for example if if you have a gun and someone else has a gun it reduces your power in his framework um which would imply that deterrence does matter so if someone is within a hundred feet of you your nuke is useless 
um that like that example alone does invalidate this if it's an absolute rule and i also think well but i don't think an absolute rule it follows that we must we must take the nuclear weapon again going back to my point of we're using this as a starting point as a as a guide framework and you know to your point you might be far more you might be far more well read on applying code and applying you know complex mathematical formulas but what i do very well is is explore the realm of ideas and we can't we can't expect mathematical formulas to hold up in the realm of ideas we are losing we are using them as illuminative points not as final destinations and and to the specifics of what you're saying though i don't again you're going to use the nuclear weapon but we can immediately switch the question the question therefore is what is in your arsenal to use which i think you were driving at by the point of two people holding a gun aren't going to have aren't going to be able to exert the same power in fact it's an equalizer correct Yes, but I think the point is Andrew was stating this as an abstract rule that applies to all forms of power. That is how he stated it. I went through as many of his explanations of the rules as I could find, and as clear as I understand them, and unfortunately they're not written down anywhere, so they're not that clear. I do believe that they are on his subscribe star. So if you go to his subscribe yes, star. Yes, but the thing is. Um, they, they're on a he on a subscribe start in front of his paywall. He has written a brief kind of like the reasons behind archotropism, but actually not going into any detail on the laws themselves. I believe that behind his paywall, um, yeah, am I taking this stuff in? Um, behind his paywall, he has them uh, spelled out with more detail and actually going through line by line in the laws. Mm -hmm. However. I'm writing written reputa reputations of his stuff. If I'm writing, I'm going to like, you know, build off the source material and kind of be able to try to quote and refute it. And I don't want to quote something behind someone's paid subscribe star. So I'm not going to read it because if I read it, then I'm going to be, you know, like either I'm going to quote a bunch of stuff and put his paid content out there for free, or I'm going to be arguing with something and people won't know what I'm arguing with. So I'm going out with the content he's given to the world because he said this is like a framework that's important to give out to people. So that's kind of where I'm – I'm not even sure it's on his paid subscribe star. I believe it is, but I'm not sure. But And I, and I do want to get back really fast. And I'm sorry, I'll stop talking and ranting. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not just that law. I think that law is just the most obvious example. But all of the remainder of them also have similarly large flaws where things are very poorly defined or where power like the value of power can be created or destroyed like i think that each of the laws individually except for maybe one is flawed and the definitions uses around them are entirely unclear okay well again i, I i'm i i will not sit here and speak about i i won't sit here and say that i can cite all the laws of archotropism off the top of my head because i can't um but again, I don't think even in the context of our conversation, you've actually done anything to disprove his framework in that it is a framework. I think what you've perhaps done is shown that, hey, things don't hold true and fast to the laws of thermodynamics the way we have the laws of thermodynamics. But again, we don't want to suffer from uh, from physics envy. Right. We understand this about economics. Why can't we understand this about political, uh, political theorizing, political philosophy as well? Is this isn't a mechanistic science. This is a science closer akin to logic and reason and therefore apply, uh, you know, goes off of different rules. And uh, and it just again. So to the specific point of whether let's see, five plus three is eight. Five plus five is ten. In both cases, I am adding more. 
You understand? So more contains, we might say, this is something that you would do in like a logic class or in a philosophy class. More contains both plus three and plus five, as the case may be. My, does that make sense so far? Sure, but I think that that's the point that the nuke refutes because you are adding distance and increasing more power. So you are adding more, but getting less. No, 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 because we've already established that what the nuke what the nuke allows for you to do in the case of this framework is be able to exert your power over a longer distance. So it proves the rule. It proves the fact that um, it, it doesn't take away from it doesn't take away from power equals what is it force divided by distance or distance divided by force? Yeah, it's, it's power divided by distance. I, I, sorry, I'm a little confused. Is force divided? If wait, no. Is it power? Are we? No, it's got, equaling power, right? So we're not doing. Divided. Power equals force divided by distance. Okay. Yeah. If something gave you more power the farther away it was, that would be in direct contradiction of his rule and would. No, because it's a multi. It's a force multiplier, literally. Like that's even like um, the term. That's even the term that that the military would use. Is is that something like this is, is a force multiplier? So we can act. So if I have a surface to air missile that can only go two miles, well, that's a defensive weapon, right? But if I have a intercon intercontinental ballistic missile that can go across the world, that is literally a force multiplier. Uh, sorry, I, I think we're talking past each other a little bit. Yeah, a I little bit. I agree with you that these nukes make it so you can exert power farther away. Um, I think I think you are correct in that, and I agree. Yeah. So I'm not saying that they are not that they are not allowing you to exert force farther away. What I am saying is that his framework considers retaliation or kind of harming the person using power as a decrease of power. If I have a gun and you have a gun, I have less power because you can shoot me back. I am also at risk. So if you use the nuke and you also got hit, that you would like if you were if if you getting damaged by the nuke was part of using a nuke, that would be less powerful than a nuke that you could use without you getting hit by the nuke. Sure. So now we so have to do what I like to do, weapon. which is ground our metaphors in reality, ground our analogies in reality. And I would simply ask the okay. question, under what framework is somebody, does somebody have access to a nuclear weapon but not access to a, a weapon that, doesn't, that, that, that can be used within two miles of, of its origination point? So it's it's kind of like so yeah okay now we've reached the reducto ad absurdum now we have to work our way back to find to find the reasonable answer the reducto ad absurdum sure. doesn't disprove something it merely points out merely points out that there is a limit which is inherent in everything there's always a limit but uh, but there are obvious examples where this would be the case say for example the president's holed up in the White House there there's a giant army outside with guns sure he has some conventional weapons but they're not enough to overpower the army and he has nukes but he can't use them because they're next to him and if the army was well he could away, he could use the nuke yeah but the thing is he has less power because it would damage him well but in the specific example too there's definitely a nuclear safe bumper bunker underneath the white house i think that's com if it's not common knowledge i'm sure it exists and so you or we could yeah, we could hypothecate yep. we could hypothecate and this is in this situation as well so therefore the president could launch a nuke in white in the white house and maintain his power because he would survive Even okay, so even if there are theoretical workarounds, if there is a scenario like if there is a scenario where this doesn't work and he is defining it as an absolute law, it seems flawed to me. And that and once again, I do think the other law is least 
Oop, I'm losing you a little bit, man, just for the record. Sorry. No, you're back um, now. Is that any better? Yeah, you're back now. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I think that, how does this? I, I have problems with the rest of those laws as well. This is probably the one that maybe me couple with the most, but I thought it was easiest to explain. Well, but I don't, but okay, but to, the, but to the point, I don't know that in the context of this conversation, we're both going to be able to listen to this afterwards. I'm not sure that you've actually proved your point. To this, to even to this even to this first one that you that you brought up, and I would and I would I would refrain from switching through because this was supposed to be more of an ask me anything about the essay that I wrote and not ask me anything about archotropism. Yeah. I don't pretend to be an expert no. on it, but even just in the in the context of this conversation where you remind me of the mathematical formula, I don't think you've been able to disprove through your use of analogizing weapons in the slightest. Sure, and then I guess we could leave that up to the listeners in the future i'll leave you back to it i did just want to now let someone else hop up to ask questions if there's someone else for sure um, but i did want to point out one thing i did go through your article really fast um in the section of the prescription in paragraph two mm -hmm. you do say that people should be setting up anti-taxes that is the prescription you give people for what to do oh okay what for I sure I, I i think i think if we were to pull up the quote um it would read something uh closer to like it would be like, uh, you know, nullifying, and these are different policy prescriptions that you can do. So, I think the I think the anti-tax is worth uh, worth worth trying. I have also had similar preoccupations. I will say, not to you know, lest mm -hmm. lest I be accused of um, lest I be accused of gaslighting, which is a silly word, but um, uh, you know, like lest I be accused of like speaking out of both sides of my mouth. Uh, I, I have had I've had similar reservations just from the standpoint of I understand as well in the United States that you have. Uh, that, that some states um, uh, can control the municipalities. But I also know in a state like I am, Illinois, there's something called home rule, which which cities can acquire for themselves. And home rule would mean you can do um, you can do more than what the other city does, including set setting your own effective tax rate. That's why, for example, a city like Chicago has a 10 percent tax rate, even though the state ta state sales tax in Illinois is 7 percent. I think we can both agree that that is awful on all fronts, but it is the case that you can you can you can adjust policy. And w again, we also see the uh, we see the more recent example of Mayor Suarez just kind of independently, as as the case may be, trying to figure out a way to give uh, his his the citizens of Miami a crypto dividend of some kind by using, I believe, in part the the grid for um, for mining cryptocurrency. So it, to just to just to just to reiterate, though, I don't think. I don't think you should look at my prescriptions even as a monolith. Um, in the prescription, I think I also talk first about how you have to make yourself into an authority and somebody who can run for office. Um, if that's if that's the path that you want, the piece I have coming out tomorrow actually says, "Hey, look, I've obviously left a very glaring oversight in this, which is what about people who aren't interested in politics?" Which I think is a completely fair position for people to hold. This is the purposes of the article was really dealing with. Um, the divide, like I said, the divide I see between people who want to make political statements and people who want to take political power. And I think, I think trying new ideas is, is, is fine. And, and if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. Right. Um, but I think if in the process of trying to implement an anti-tax, and this is what I have, and I'll, this is what I'll say, and I'll let you respond, is in the process of trying to implement an anti-tax, if you were to still build yourself up into, you know, the natural elite that Hoppe might talk about, and uh, would, uh, build yourself up into a natural elite, actually build wealth, power, and influence for yourself, be a member of the community that you want to be a part in, you know, have your family, have all the things that are actually important in life, and in turn, I think just by doing that, the way the whole, like, clean your room thing goes, 
you're going to create a better environment around you, not only for yourself, but for your community as a consequence. Does that make sense? Even if the specifics of the anti-tax don't end up working yeah. out over the next 10 years, I think if you take the steps and I, you know, I'm clear to say this starts with making yourself better as a person, which it sounds like we're in complete agreement with, um, it, you know, yep. it, if, if, if it starts there and it gets to the other point, I think you're still going to find some friends along the way and, you're, and you can still make things better. Yeah, and I think we completely agree there. And I guess my overall question, I think you answered it, by, was kind of a, it felt to me like you were endorsing his ideas when they don't seem to have embedded. And it sounds like you are saying, I am not endorsing these. I am saying these are part of a realm of possibilities that you should look at, but you are not saying this is a good one. You're just saying these are one of the things. Pick for yourself if it is or isn't a good one. And I would also, I totally agree with building yourself up first, but I guess uh, my slight response to the anti-tax section would be um, one of the critiques of the post-libertarians, as uh, some of them, not all of them, because you are a diverse bunch, has been, of the Mises Caucus, has been things are going pretty bad pretty fast, so you shouldn't do something like stop your slow strategy find something faster and also just a question of like opportunity cost so if you're putting all your time and money into libertarian party and politics are wasting parts of your life while well, you can't gain value on along the way there is like cost there and i think those would really be my two critiques of going ahead with anti-taxes it's a plan that by andrew's math would still take 20 years to work even though i would say 500 and well, I know he's. But hang on, like because he lobbying. said publicly, he said publicly that this isn't something for the current generation. So if you're trying to characterize his position as something that's going to happen in the next five years, you would be incorrect. Um, I would. In, I guess my, my, I think that he is in contradiction when he has spoken about this because he has said in the same conversation that he believes everything is going to fall apart in one to two years, and that. All of our resources should be put into this idea that will not bear fruit for 20, 20 years. So to that specific thing, me, what I would say is, because um, I hear you, sorry, I, I don't mean to cut you off. Um, but what to that specific no point, what I would say is there, I think we, what we all have to do a good job of both as content creators and also content consumers is discerning between rhetoric for the sake of sales as we might say like selling an idea versus like the deeper kind of ideas that that exist inside of that i think in my my framework we can kind of combine these things more often than not um creating a sense of or i don't see anything wrong with creating a sense of urgency the same way that the mises caucus creates a sense of urgency as well to get people to sign up for their stuff as uh, to get their stuff, but I'm not going to um, I'm not going to adjudicate like marketing tactics in that respect. But I mean, we have I mean, we clearly sure, have a difference sense. of opinion. Uh, feel free to feel free to DM me the stuff that you've written. I think I might have already seen some of it, um, but I haven't done my deep dive into archotropism. I think what I've seen enough, what I've what, enough of what I've seen is enough for me to at least implement into the stuff that I'm already working on. I do think that. The archotropism framework seems to push the praxeological framework, which is what I have said. Uh, but I reserve final judgment until you know everything has no, been written sure. and peop and things can be vetted. And hey, if you want to be part of that vetting process, man, then just be ready to you know then then just be ready for what that uh, for what that takes. 
I am happy to be part of the vetting process. Hell like, yeah. And then like with the anti-taxes, he has asked for lots of donations and stuff. And I said that specifically his plan is to start lobbying at the state level in like Florida and the like. And it's just to me, it seems like um, opportunity costs kind of a waste of resources when you could like, I don't know, go for the defend the guard bill or something like that. That could sure, but we can turn, and, but not to not to draw more. too fine a point, but we can also turn all of this back into the heads of the fundraising efforts that are going into the Mises Caucus right now, which are designed For to sure. take over a political apparatus that is actively trying to reject their advances. So I think yeah, I think you know like the question about we're all party. talking opportunity costs here. People are here to try and mediate the responses as well. Um, so yeah, man, I appreciate the insight. If you had another question, kind of maybe on a different frame, I'm happy to take it, but I don't want to get too hung up on, I don't want to get too lost in this conversation because the conversation would be better served if we were both prepared to have it. As, as And clearly you are, I am not in the same position. So I think I've done a decent job of saying, I think you need to do a little more work on the whole question, on the whole uh, power equals force divided by distance thing or distance divided by force. My apologies, I'm not a math guy. I do have some like, like I, I discovered as an adult that there's like a there's an analogy to dyslexia with numbers, and I definitely have it. So even as it relates to abstract uh, abstract algebraic uh, formulas, as the case may be. So uh, yeah, so that's what Thank I got. Thank you for the responses. Now I'll let someone else talk. Cool. Well, there's only one other person in here, and they haven't been interested in talking so far. So I don't even know if I'm on YouTube anymore because my screen turned off, but the camera's still running. So hopefully, we'll find out though. <laughs> in any event, I did have um. I did have one other story that I think we'll go on and then we'll get, we can, I will let everybody go for the evening again, unless somebody wants to pop in like thumbs are kissed. You are thumbs if you want to talk since you've been in here, but if you just want to listen, that is cool too. Uh, so I was just going to read through cause I thought this was interesting. This is a story from Fox news of all places. Um, this is a story from Fox news of all places uh, where it's an opinion piece by the guy, Greg Jarrett, which yeah, he's one of the regular faces on Fox News if you watch it. And I hadn't really looked into yet. I had yet to look into why people were charging the um uh, why people were charging the parents of this kid in in Oxford, Michigan, where I was actually at this week. I drove through the town. I didn't see the high school. But um they're cuz they're charging him with criminal negligence. So let's read the piece. I'm going to react in real time. I haven't read this yet, so we'll kind of go through. So instead of getting their deeply troubled son the professional help he so desperately needed, James and Jennifer Crumbly bought him a gun. Ethan Crumbly then used it to allegedly murder four students at Oxford High School in Michigan and wound seven others. If there ever was, if ever there was a case that merited, uh, that merited criminal charges against the parents of a school shooter, this is it. Their conduct, as described by prosecutors, is the definition of recklessness and carelessness resulting in death. Under Michigan law, this con constitutes involuntary murder. Evidence shows that the Crumblies ignored ominous warnings from their son, Ethan, who was psychologically unstable and poised to commit violence. They refused demands by his school that Ethan receive professional counseling. They concealed from admissions that they had purchased for him a deadly weapon and had taken him to a firing range to practice shooting it. They knew, or they should have known, that their son was dangerous and posed a threat to others. That is the near equivalent of aiding and abetting. However... Okay, near equivalent is a nice little editorializing, don't we think? However, absent evidence, however, comma, absent evidence that they intended the killing of others, which might be otherwise, which might otherwise qualify as accessory to murder, they can justifiably be charged with the lesser crime of crime of manslaughter, 
for contributing to the deaths. It is a rare move by prosecutors, but thoroughly supported by the known facts in this case. The parents were told that their son was drawing pictures in class of killing people and laughing about it. They were warned that Ethan was searching the internet for ammunition while at school. His mother's response in a text message was cold and indifferent. LOL, just next time, don't get caught. In addition to buying Ethan a 9mm Sig Sauer pistol just days before he fired at least 30 rounds in the hallways of his school, they failed to secure the gun from their 15-year-old son despite all the warning signs that he might use it to harm others at school. The Crumblies also took no precautionary steps to determine whether Ethan had brought the weapon to Oxford High School on the very day. They were summoned, to the conference, summoned there for a conference to discuss his aberrant behavior. Did they inform school officials they had just bought him a gun and taught him how to use it? No. Did they suggest that their son be searched or his backpack, backpack inspected? No. Did they, ins- they insisted that he remain at school on the day, covering up all that they knew the result was deadly. So this goes on to say that the mother must have known that her son was capable of the carnage he inflicted. Minutes after he opened fire, police say she texted him, Ethan, don't do it. This is incriminating evidence of her own complicity. In totality, such grossly negligent conduct by the parent certainly qualifies as criminally negligent homicide, otherwise known as manslaughter. The parents should be held accountable for their dis- accountable for their despicable behavior. It is also appropriate that be held in jail on high bail, compelling evidence that they had attempted to flee and evade authorities. Blah, 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 blah. They are morally responsible for the tragic shooting. It will be up to a jury to decide whether they are criminally culpable. So that's interesting. So one of the craziest things about this, but so here's, so here's what, here's what I'm curious about is, and this would be the question that I can't really answer in this moment, but it's worth, it's worth thinking aloud because this is what I, once I saw that they were charging the parents, I thought, well, why don't they charge the school? Why don't, why don't they charge the school officials for letting this kid be there all the time? Right. They, they could expel him. It's a process, but they could do it. They could have raised higher rancor. They could have said, no, you know what? You're not coming in. We're not letting you in school today. Or, we're, you know, all these others. There's a lot of other steps here. What this clearly shows to me, I guess what would be an interesting avenue of exploration, let's start here. What would be an interesting avenue of exploration in this case would be the extent to which other parents of school shooters were similarly negligent. See, in the aftermath of the Parkland shooting, and I know I know I'm going back and that's not but that was like the last major school shooting that we had, other than the one in Texas that nobody's talking about. But in the last major but in the Parkland shooting, what came out over the next couple of years wasn't a story of the parents failing, it was a story of the school failing. Right? And the school intentionally not sending somebody like this to the police. So I would wonder then, you know, under like the specific example brought up in this article of searching for ammunition. I can just speaking to that area of Michigan, if you're not familiar with it, it makes sense that people would laugh that off. And it makes sense that people would laugh that off because that's a very popular like it, it, like a lot of people hunt there. Like my customers in that area have to plan around deer season because a lot of people will take off days to go hunting. And I'm sure a lot of people are from environments like that. So that's the one. So, so I mean, that by itself. But of course, multiple things paint a picture and there's a little hyperlink in the story that i'm going to kind of follow in real time and of course it doesn't actually lead to an article because why the hell would we do that major news source instead it just goes to a search term on your own damn website um so let's see so they bought him a pistol he was searching for that and he was also doing he's also drawing pictures i found it interesting that this was coming out of fox news and it will be interesting to see the way that their audience reacts to it now 
Fox News has already shed a lot of the harder right elements of like the MAGA movement, we might say, or just, you know, boomer con conservatives as, as the case may be. I don't, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't love the way we rush to judgment in these situations. I've said this before in other instances, but I like, isn't, isn't it enough to say that something awful happened? Uh, you know, like, and clearly a lot of people failed in order for this kid to do what he did. So why are we holding the parents accountable? Again, might, I might look into this more and come to the conclusion that, well, clearly they were liable. Clearly they should be held accountable. But just, but just reading it and the fact that it happened so quickly tells me either these parents sucked to such a high degree that this is warranted, or it tells me that there's something more to the story that we're going to find out as time goes on, right? Because maybe that's why they're trying to... Uh, that's why they're trying to uh, let this kid, you know, make sure that this this kid's parents are charged to obfuscate from something else that happened on. But I don't know. That's about all I got today. Uh, I, I really appreciate the gentleman for talking and for going back through with the ideas. It was a fun time, and I do think that the exploration of ideas is worthwhile. So thank you very much for it. For everybody else listening now or any point in the future, don't forget you can follow me on all social media at the LB Moniz. like what you heard today, go to beenawake.com to subscribe for future updates. My name is LB Muniz, and I am not one with the woke.